clubhouse. Attention all passengers. The temperature outside is minus 119 degrees Celsius. We are six years, nine months, and 26 days from departure. For your personal safety, be prepared to brace. Welcome back to Pod Clubhouse's coverage of the penultimate episode of the third season of TNT's Snowpiercer. This episode was called A Beacon for Us All. With me as usual, I have I- Inez. I I Inez. <laughs> I I Inez. <laughs> and Kat from the Latinx Lens podcast, who's fresh off their <laughs> recording the most recent episode. Yes. Good to be back for this episode. <laughs> What I accused the last episode of in terms of needing to cram a bunch of story in to make up for the dreamscape, I feel <laughs> like they had to do it in this one, too, because there was just a lot going on. Oh, my God. I'm going to be like happy ticking throughout this entire episode. I can already tell you I was so thrilled. We all know how I feel about my favorite character. And then she's back and she's really back. And I'm just so excited to get through this with you guys today. I will say, like, I'm super excited for Melanie back and like her storyline. I think it's just what we needed to go into the fourth season, even like the season finale. But I will say the only, I guess, the the thing, like you were talking about it being packed in. Mm -hmm. I feel like they didn't have time to really explain, like, how did she make it to that station? Like, how exactly far it is? So I will say I was bummed about that, like not seeing her trek through the snow and like we just kind of believe that she made it to this thing and then like she's alive. But you know what? I'll give it to them because we did get a lot of other stuff but that part I was a little bit like hmm you didn't have time to really Mm -hmm. go through her whole journey like they did with the other time she was away and they did like a whole Melanie episode but I also didn't want that to happen because I feel like they've already done that so I think they had to balance that out but also tell us like where has she been how does she survive but they do that in the very like in the intro which is crazy like you say they don't give us the how the hell did she get on the train in the first place which would have been interesting because it's almost like they came into this one knowing that she needed to start civil war by the end of the episode. <laughs> and so she did. And did that leave time for trekking across the snowy expanse? <laughs> no, I guess not. Um, no. They, we, we had to start with her already in this little track cleaner or whatever it was. Did you notice that it was asymmetrical? It was only wide enough that it rode on one rail and then it had like a balancing skid that rode on the other rail. So it was very small. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. Um, I mean, obviously they needed to be small so it could be easy to justify how they were going to recover the train. So I, I understand that. And as much as I did miss all of the same stuff that we've been talking that we were curious about, I felt like they gave me enough of a science dopamine dump all over me on this episode that I was like fine with it too. <laughs> well, that, that that science dump was that Wilford long game that we were talking about. It wasn't like super long, but mm-hmm. it was it was long enough where why did he want to find Melanie? Well, he needed a rational voice that other people would listen to that wasn't his because people didn't think he was rational anymore that would support this idea that New Eden was not for real. Yeah. And so he got it. And unlike previous attempts or actions where he um, has taken over the train and it's and it's got a lot of plans and very deliberate actions and stuff that he does, 
This seems more like the Dark Knight Joker, where he's just like, I just want to see what happens. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> he he's had the best commentary of the episode, I think, also. <laughs> Yeah, well, he even says that, right? He's like, I don't even know what I, my motivations are sometimes. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> but, you know, I will say, like, it's funny because I think this is sort of like also a TV-ism. And it makes sense now with the Melanie of how she survived with being under. Like, it's funny because the first seasons in the drawers, we didn't really understand what the drug was, you know, like to go under. And then, like, I think in this season, we have seen it a lot more of like the ramifications with Wilford and with Roche. And then it's like that's how melanie survives so like they really honed it in like of course that would be the way she survived going i forgot what it's called what is it called um, suspension suspension but then also it was sort of like is she just superhuman and <laughs> is not going through like the effects like day one and she's like you know causing um civil war again like it's just it's crazy yeah. but yeah i'm glad like they had already given us all the suspension talk throughout the season so we understood, like, oh, that's how she would survive. Well, and it's it uh, makes two appearances, right, in this episode. There's the liquefied suspension drug that she uses in the train, she self, or the cleaner that she self-administers to herself over a, mm, what was it, eight-day on-and-off cycle or something like that. But then the crystallized form, that's what gets passed to LJ, who, who passes it to someone in a white shirt, who I think gets it to Mr. Will who then laces it or something in the cigars and and makes the brakeman sick. Did you guys get that? Was there another plot afoot? I did not assume that the drug that was used to kill those guards was the same drug. I must have missed something. Did I miss something or are you just kind of making a hypothesis? I think I'm making a leap there, but we were wondering, you know, was LJ, you know, what were her ultimate loyalty is going to be? Where did she think her greatest chance for survival would be? And, you know, the way she's laid down for Mr. Wilford in the past, being a link in that chain, even helping organize it, seems to make sense. I was wondering what it was that he pulled out of his silverware. I thought it was going to be a knife. Yeah, um, me too. And maybe it was, but that's what I thought it was. It's either that or LJ's just in the drug trade and the two things are not uh <laughs> not connected at all but i thought they were connected she totally could be i was just gonna say when i saw I, like I, it was a nice misdirection because when it, he pulled whatever that was i thought it was gonna be a knife and i was like but he's like not in a state to kind of kill all these people rambo style that was like uh, that would be more like the hannibal lecter style the way that they wound yeah, up right? yeah <laughs> yeah and i was like huh i don't think you have it in you like you still maybe are not physically fit you know like after what you've been through the and shaky hands older. right yeah yeah and then so i was like huh this is gonna be that was gonna be a little bit too much for me to like believe but then when he started giving them the the cigars i was like huh something's gonna happen but it's like how can he poison cigars but i guess there's possible <laughs> that's my guess is the suspension drug had something to do with it but you're right i am just making a leap i guess you caught me you caught me <laughs> i'm just trying to put the dots together <laughs> <laughs> i just want to make sure that i wasn't missing something specifically because if i did then i'm like totally like interested in like how did they weaponize the suspension drug more in a different kind of way than it had already been used so i just thought that maybe i missed something but um it's also good to just explore like what the heck's going on you know with um with lj's operation so <laughs> Initially, I thought that those brakemen, since they were on like a 
maybe not a first name basis, but they were familiar. I thought that they might have been loyalists to him. But you know when that when they when they uh, jumped when he opened up the secret uh, humidor <laughs> contain uh, part of the uh, the library room there I thought okay they're actually still aligned with Andre it's just that they're getting very lax about their duties but that still makes uh, I still think that there might be some Wilford loyalists out there that we'll see yeah well they said that I feel like I heard them say Wilfordites. Um, yep. toward the end of the episode. So I think that that just kind of confirms what we had just been thinking about previously. Like, did they still exist? Would the writers bring back this group of people to the forefront if we already had gone through that in previous seasons, stuff like that? So I guess this is kind of a way of coming full circle and recycling our plots, maybe. <laughs> well, you might not have to be all in on Wilford as a as like an entity, but say you didn't think New Eden made any sense. Like how were all of the scientists before the world froze wrong, you know, because mm -hmm. they predicted that this was going to be a really long time, not just eight years or whatever. And so say you're this person that's highly skeptical, then the smartest guy, as far as you know, on the planet shows up and says, we have to really ration all our shit. And you don't really know that he's living okay. You just know that everybody else on the train is rationing everything. But then someone else shows up and says, you know what, let's just start using everything we got because we're going to go stop the train over in Africa because I saw something. <laughs> you might not be like a dyed-in-the-wool Wilfordite, but you're just more like a non-late-night. Like anti-what are we doing after we just have like lived in hell for the past right there's got to be train. some reason we were rationing like this right and yeah it, so it may not have been terrific but it made rational sense to you i feel like lj has been consistently a wilfordite kind yes. of role right for sure and she's been central in building this secret on infrastructure I mean, she has to have selling points to be able to do that. And I feel like it would be igniting the passion or the support around Wilford and not letting people forget what their life is like before and all he's done. I don't know. I'm just assuming that she would sprinkle her, that message to gain her support to have such an infrastructure where she can now get drugs and mule them and wiggle their way into a prison escape and assassination. That's pretty intense stuff. I feel like you have to have more than just like a superficial type of like arrangement. It has to be like a deeper core connection. But I don't know. I don't know uh, how like I mean how do people follow like Hitler, right? Like it's like it's like that yeah. kind of like thing where some like at some fundamental level. So that's just kind of where my thought train's going. Wilfred is so interesting because I mean he's also has engineered this whole thing to serve like keep humanity going but yet he also likes messing with people <laughs> like he loves that trip too and like but i think with this one this takeover or you know quote unquote takeover he saw that they were messing things up of like it felt more of a survival tactic than just you know him being wilford and wanting control of the train he i think ultimately he's always wanted control of the train because he feels like he's the best person to keep humanity going even though his tactics have been questionable in the way he's treated the people that are supposedly humanity left on the planet. But I don't know, he prides himself on knowing what's the best choice. And he knew that this one was sketchy at best. 
Well, and he took that and he got inside Melanie's head. You know, he he got right into her head, questioning the science. She asked, why am I here? Why did you come and find me? She knew that that was intentional and he didn't really mince around. And all of those things, like she ended up saying things like the hope uh, is important or the hope keeps him going, but we wouldn't have gotten here without the reason and the logic and the data. And that is ultimately more where she aligns and and because that's her track record, right, is mm -hmm. using that system or a modified system that he developed, that class system, but it was meant to keep the train running as long as possible and giving the people that paid him what they paid for to the best extent that resources would allow. It didn't take into account tailies, obviously. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but that is where she wound up. Do you think she might have come on the train without that meeting with Wilford and things might have gone another way or just slower? Or do you think that catalyst was the important factor for getting things lit up just like in a day? Melanie is fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. So she she's really intelligent. If we're going to name anybody the great engineer, it's got to be Melanie, like with just how resourceful and how resilient she is. Super on... stubborn. That's what she said. It's yeah, super she's super stubborn. And in the best ways, like she's used critical thought, logic, hardcore science, and literally what kept her alive all of this time when Wilford left her out there to die. So she's brilliant. And even without Wilford pointing her in that direction, I feel like she would have gotten to a point and focus on the facts of what she knows. I want to give her more credit than like Wilford got in her ear. I think that that discredits all of the facts of how she survived and built this fucking train that all of them are alive on. Um, like that's thanks to her. So I don't feel like it would be appropriate to take any of that from her. Okay. Yeah. I think it does feel a little abrupt, but I think it's, this is like one of those things of, you know, this episode was reminding me a lot about like the last two seasons of Game of Thrones where like it took forever to get certain to certain places for those first six seasons. And then all of a sudden, like we're just rushing everywhere. You know? um, and, and then you just kind of like, wait, but it took you a season just to get to one part. And then now it's like taking you an episode within an episode to get to, you know, multiple places. So I feel like I, I felt a little bit of that jarring effect of she just came from the dead. But then that's the purpose here, like in the TV world of her being back and like we know it's the second to last episode so it was gonna have to be a little bit like things were gonna have to you know go but I didn't think it was gonna be this quick but when she was like oh I need to talk to Wilford I was like oh something's up and then of course Layden's like oh don't let him get in your head are you gonna be okay and then I, I think it's just one of those things of they know each other really well and while like he's questionable with like what he's done she's also done those things to save the train ultimately and going through what she did with the suspension for all those months i think she's also maybe i can justify her turnaround because she went through hell and back for those six months for the train you know to survive so you would kind of have this other clarity that other people wouldn't have like you don't know what it's out like like out there and if you don't want to go through what I did or you know she knows that different experience and I feel like that couldn't justify it for me of being like you guys have no idea what you're doing you know and I <laughs> I know the science does not match up even if there's a chance like we're gonna mess this up I can kind of go with her on that and she had to make a decision of course like conveniently for tv time of like they're gonna make the turn right away so it's now or never to go against Layden or go with him 
I don't know if um, Wilford influenced her or she would have come to that conclusion regardless, but he kind of just like pushed her towards her, that right. a little bit. Yeah. But I think she would have made the same decision regardless. It would just, it just feels like it's, he was like, Hey guy, like, I think he knew too, like we're making that turn. Like, should we make that turn? And she was like, fuck, like you're right. <laughs> to listeners and watchers that might chalk this up to some weird reversal, given that she almost died last season to prove that the climate data was good. And here she is saying, no, let's not go to New Eden. I don't think that's a reversal. I think that's standing pat with where she was, where her data said, yes, things are warming up, but it wasn't going to warm up in six months, dummies. It was going to take longer than that. <laughs> and then, so she's standing firm. It's no reversal. Uh, that mm. So I've read enough comments in TV forums over the years to know that people are going to think that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I think it's one of those things too. It's like the like again to reference Game of Thrones, like the Danny thing. They thought it was like a role reversal, but I think it's also because it it feels abrupt in TV time. Mm-hmm. But for the character, like months it, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, months have passed, so you have to kind of keep that in mind, and also what she was going through. And it does make sense. It's just it feels so. It, it might feel abrupt for us. Because it's only like we, she just came back after being gone for eight episodes and then like she's causing chaos. But I think it, it is still true to her character because she's always been science based. Yeah, I really hope that they don't chalk this up to her making an error in judgment and a quick call because she didn't listen to Leighton. Like, I really would be incredibly disappointed with that because I've been saying consistently all season long how angry it makes me that we're going off of a vision and not off of facts. And then <laughs> as we keep seeing how that evolves, Leighton just keeps proving this more and more and more. And then Melanie said one of the best lines positive thinking is great as long as it doesn't replace critical thinking and she's just so focused on the fact she's asking the right questions she's looking for the right information that i completely agree with so i would be really pissed off if this turns out to be a oh melanie should have listened to Leighton, like because because no because no she she never should have to listen to him because he's an idiot <laughs> You know, if it was me, I would take that little car she was on and automate it somehow and send it on the rickety track just to see what kind of readings it gets. I imagine they could probably tell from the amount of vibration or or something whether or not that track could actually withstand the entire thousand car train or not. Kind of extrapolate from how how badly the track performs with its tiny little car. Maybe it's not heavy enough to get good numbers. I don't know maybe weigh it down or something. But still, that's one idea I would have. She now has control of the train with Javi. Javi, the whole thing came down to what he said, which was the lying. He had been on the inside of the original lie. He knew. He was always in the engine, so it was no big deal. But he knew that there was no Mr. Wilford, that, that Melanie was Mr. Wilford. And then things go down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now all of a sudden, he's on the outs, And he's not told the lie, the new lie, which he might have been cool with, but Mm -hmm. it was just not being told was the thing. And after he's been through what he's been through with Wilford, I think that would also be an extra sting of like, guys, like I'm loyal to you and, and I can't believe like you wouldn't include me, especially after that. 
if I were Javi, I would also feel the same way, especially with Ben, you know, like if Layden didn't want to tell him, but then like, you know, you always have those side things of like, Hey, don't tell anyone I told you. But like, by the way, especially being an engineer too, like, I don't know, he should have been in on the secret. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Like that was a bad move. And especially having the PTSD that he does with the dogs and stuff like to not tell him that and not make him feel included after, you know, having that experience. Like that was um, a bad choice. I think especially on Ben's part, maybe Layden could have said no, but like he should have included him. Ben, Ben, Ben. I misread the physical moment he had with Josie a couple episodes ago as the beginning of a relationship. I misread that. That was just engine sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it, it, I think he, they're both adults to understand like what it was and they're both vulnerable at that moment. But I could also see, especially like given what happened in this episode of, I think Melanie is like, he loves Melanie so much, but she always chooses her, you know, chooses the bigger picture and will never choose Ben. They have like those different, I don't know if it's moral codes or something, like their compass is a little bit different. And so I could see where maybe down the road, especially since Josie said she doesn't want to get back with Layden, right. it could kind of maybe lead to something where, you know, they're on different paths now. And like, maybe it could be something down the road. Because I mean, there's not a lot of choices, by the way. So. <laughs> uh, I wonder, how, I, I can't remember how many people there are left on the train, but I did not assume that Ben and Josie were going to pursue a romantic relationship. I thought it was just like, like we're both sad and we like are both hot and like, let's just bang it out. And so I was here for that. I was okay with that. Like sometimes you just need it. And they did, both of them didn't have their partners anymore, whatever, take care of a biological need. But then in the following episodes, you saw hints that they were trying to set some stuff up, right? We saw hints where Zara talked to Josie saying like we don't work together so you can have him and then we see that evolve to Leighton like Josie I love you and I'm like gag then I was like so happy that Josie's like I love you too but like sorry you know I was and and so that's the track that I thought that it was on when I saw this like long ago so I don't know I I wasn't totally blindsided by it I, I was surprised that she did not accept his offer but, but good uh, for her. so I'm interested to see why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like fuck him, he dumped her like so quickly as soon as he found out that like you know Zara was pregnant. Like he, there was no like transitional like g- gentleman or even like as a friend, as somebody who if you love, like you're their friend. And he couldn't even like give her any of that. He just like ghosted her and was just like now housing up with his new baby mama. So fuck him. That's where I'm on this. I, I wasn't displeased. I'm glad that Layton's like alone. <laughs> But I'm totally jaded. I'm totally fucking jaded. I already know it. I'm sorry, everybody out there. I'm sorry, Devine Diggs. Like, (laughs) I I love you. But Layton's just made me so mad. And this episode gave me, like, so much justice. So much justice. I wrote justice really big on my notes. (laughs) This show's been a little bit of a Trojan horse in terms of presenting the idea of, uh, especially, you know, last season and and this season, uh, two masters of the of the train, Leighton and Wilford battling each other, but they're kind of moving into secondary roles. Well, like if you look at your notes for Andre, there's not, you know, what did he do? Nothing. But if you look at the notes for all of the women, such as Till, such as Melanie, such as Ruth, such as LJ, such as Josie, 
I bet you have a lot more notes for these women who are much more interesting, much more important characters to the show. So when I say Trojan horse, it's like, yeah, it presents one way, like a traditional action, you know, thriller, sci-fi thing with men in the lead, but it's not. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point, look at Josie in this episode. This woman had her hand frozen off by Melanie, left for dead, and she jumps off the train onto a chain to try to um, connect Melanie's little car thing so that it can be craned into the train. She is like a freaking action hero. She's a badass. I would have loved to see that. Um, we haven't had that moment yet, right? Like with Josie and Melanie. I mean, they didn't really have time to catch up in this one. No. And then now, given what Melanie does at the end, I wonder where Josie will stand with that. Did she? She knew about the lie, right? Or yeah. did, or did she, but I don't know if she was completely like you're for right. It. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if she's so for it. But everything, everyone that was on Snowpiercer that picked up Asha, I think was in the inner circle. Yeah, and yeah. I think there may be a little bit more than that, but um, not a and lot. I, yeah, and I also feel like it's maybe more of like, well, we like Layden as a leader, and or the unrest, and I feel like there's just been so much of the unrest going on with Wilford, and then you know Melanie, they thought she was dead, and like that sort of thing. That and I feel like Ruth is in that camp too, of like, well, she's really just trying to believe this lie, but I think deep down, maybe she even was like, oh, I don't know. Like they're just putting all their eggs, and they were putting all their eggs in this Layden basket because I don't know, maybe they just didn't want to stir another pot. Ruth is all about, you know, she says like, oh, I can feel the unrest, you know, and mm -hmm. so she's trying to make people happy because she just is, that's her job right now to keep people going. But I feel like she's a little bit like rose colored glasses with Layden a little bit because I feel like if she was thinking straight, she would maybe not be on with the plan. It would be great to have enough time next week to see what all of their various reactions are to Melanie's line in the sand. Like Ruth did go all in. You know, she brought up all the champagne. She She's not wearing her hair up in a bun anymore. She's ready to get off the train. She bought in to New Eden. Alex, too, a lot of the allies there went all in. And if given a second to reflect and say, well, another smart person has said, that smart person being Melanie, has said, actually, what if you look at it this way? Now it doesn't make much sense. Now all of a sudden, all these allies look dumb, you know, like, like they made a big mistake. What does that do to their psyches? And what does that motivate them to do as a result? I think the most interesting one for that is where Alex stands. Like, mm, what do you yeah. guys think her reaction is? Because it's taken her so long to trust people and to have hope and not be so rational, like Wilford and like her mom. And then like mm -hmm. for her, for Melanie to kind of go against that and like crush that. I was just wondering, like, what do you guys think about that? Because she seemed devastated. But I was like, is she devastated that the Leyden lie is out? Or is she devastated that her mom is the one that did that? When that moment... It's definitely that her mom made the announcement when she's trying to be perfect for Carly, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Now, bigger than that, obviously, I think that there's more foundational things where, where she has gone out on a psychological limb with this idea of making a leap of faith versus the reason and logic that she's been trained since she was small by her mom and Mr. Wilford to honor above all else. 
and she has done her own homework to make the math work. But I don't know if I'm, I suppose if I was an engineer or a mathematician of some sort, and I wanted an, uh, an equation to come out a certain way, I think I could probably make it look how I want, you know, and that she may be guilty of that to make the new Eden data work. Or maybe she starts to question whether or not she's done that. Well, first of all, I want to acknowledge like how sweet that first scene was between Melanie and Alex when Melanie woke up. I cried so much. <laughs> it was just such a beautiful scene. And I wanted to just spend a little bit of time here just like loving on that memory with you guys. Okay. Alex's eyes were so big and sweet. And, uh... <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I cried so much. Steven was crying too. I was just like so happy. I don't know if it's like relief that she's like back or, or just because this is like this really precious moment between mother and daughter. So like I think that coming in like introducing their reunion in this way helps feel the sting of what Alex must be feeling later on because you know she says I kept you alive in my head and like oh my god you know I think about my daughter every time I think about like these kinds of things like what's what's Melanie's perspective got to be at this moment and it's just like so beautiful so pure and just a privilege that Alex like has you know having this moment with her and we're getting to witness it. Alex, you know, she had to learn how to survive. She's still really young, right? What is she, like 17, 18? Yeah, in there, yeah. Right? So she, she's so young still. And I think that she is at the mercy of all of these people that she has been trying to, like, live up to all of these people, trying to stand on her even ground. But they're all, like, double her age and, and more. And so I could see that she would have bought into the plan right off the bat because of other engineering people that give it life. And then probably from the legacy that this came from originally from Melanie's hypothesis. I can see why she would have bought in, even though she is a scientist also, but she's still very young, very green. I can only hope that like Melanie could just spend some time to teach her the science and reasons why she's like decided to take over <laughs> and, and kick <laughs> off civil war again. Well, what did you think, Kat? Because they honed in when, you know, when they're getting ready. I mean, we really um, spent time with them and, and Alex gave that whole speech about like, oh, why am I, you know, I'm worrying about like what shoes, you know, match this outfit. And mm -hmm. I feel like that was a real um, leap for her as, and and how far she's come and like having a friend she wanted to impress and feel normal, I guess, because, you know, she hasn't had a normal childhood on this train, especially being under the guidance of Wilford and um, sort of, I guess, hating her mom for a long time. But and now loving, you know, like they're building their relationship and now she got her back. And so I feel like she was feeling very hopeful and giving into more of the humanity part of herself and not so much like the engineering part and being so rational and of like the Wilford thinking that I feel like for me, it was just more of seeing her devastated because she thought she was having a really nice moment with her mom and having like a moment of normalcy on the train before they hopefully get to this new Eden. And then for her mom to be the one to pull the rug from under her, it just hurts a little bit more. And also I think she's going to beat herself up for even thinking she could be a little bit more on the normal side and, and uh, letting the engineering side take a pause. I feel like she's going to, she 
you know, we've seen her be so perfect and every or wanting to be so perfect in everything that she does with that, mm-hmm. that I think she's really gonna, it's gonna mess with her a little bit of like, why didn't I know this? Why didn't I look at the science? Why would I even think about wearing this outfit with these shoes and impressing someone like, so I feel like she might regress a little bit. At least that's how I took it. Maybe she won't, but I felt like that's that a good was take. A uh, I wouldn't have thought of that because the the part you're talking about about kind of the, just the personal relations side of it, where she just hasn't allowed herself really to have a friend, or and friends haven't really been interested in her since she was Mr. Wilford's pet for, for on, on on Big Alice. And I didn't really think of it from that angle. Yeah, I think it's gonna it's gonna have an impact on her, um, and I don't think it's gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Yeah. And then again, and then on another level, it's again, Melanie leaving her, like she went to the engine and closed off, but like didn't take Alex with her too. So I feel like that's just kind of another sting of like the memory of her leaving her behind. Cause you know, when she asked Layden, like, Oh, is Alex with you? Like she, it was an afterthought. I think Alex would have been okay if she had pulled her and taken her with her and done the announcement with her, but to have her go off and do this by herself, Alex is old enough to take it, but she didn't consider her, you know, opinion. I think that's also going to probably hurt more too. That's another good point. There was the scene with Andre's loyalists back on big Alice where they're just kind of you know, stand with their dicks in their hands. <laughs> like, what the hell just happened? And uh, Alex was in that group. Interesting, Ben took that as like a, a personal betrayal, the way that the announcement went. Ah, man, what, what do you think made Melanie handle it that way? Why couldn't she have just gone to people like Ben, people that she trusted from before, and build a case? Or, or do you think it was, or do you think the... Uh, Proximity to the turn and the needing to go on the rickety track was so pressing that she had to act and not try to dick around building a coalition behind her her reason. Yeah, I would say the latter. Um, I think that Melody tends to think in terms of scientific data. And so if the proximity of, of it means that the, there's a high risk, high pressure environment. So she needs to make sure that the best survival decision is made. And so far with the science that everybody's been using, she doesn't have a lot of faith in it. So this is like the moment and opportunity to try to do it. And maybe this is maybe this will catalyst the conversations in the next episode. Maybe next episode is more about actually conversing and breaking down to the last second of of this decision about it. That is a good question. Let's hold on to the predictions for just a minute because that is very fertile territory. Let's finish up talking about some of the characters first and then let's get there, okay? Particularly Till and Audrey. They were kind of off in their own little story, their own little bubble I'm trying to figure out what is it for? Like, where is it going to link up? On the one hand, I'm happy as I can be for a, a character like Till who put herself in a, in a vulnerable spot to admit that she had feelings for another person and, and has apparently had them reciprocated. And that's thrilling that a person like, like Till would, would find that. And that's great. And that it's with Audrey is even, even okay by me. But I'm just wondering where this fits in to the overall story. 
Like, why did Audrey have to be this Swiss Army character <laughs> this season or the past couple seasons where she was like the turncoat last season and kind of the scab earlier this season and now she's the love interest later in the season? That's a lot of ground to cover for one character's little journey through this show. Am I, am I being overly cynical and skeptical about, about Audrey and Till? Should I just be happy that, that Till, a deserving character for happiness found somebody hmm. i think you pose really great questions and keeping my promise till last episode that we recorded i'm going to call her bess bess so good job yeah <laughs> so bess and audrey i don't know i don't feel a big sense of some kind of large revelation to come out of this that plays into the bigger picture about their relationship i really have appreciated the way that they've portrayed how people can heal from these two very like different backgrounds and and form these like kind of unconventional friendships and now lead to relationship i mean it, for the most part it's been really respectful <laughs> minus like episode one of best punching audrey in the face um with a wrench. <laughs> with <laughs> wrench we've clearly gone past that i mean the stakes are just different in the post in this apocalyptic world right <laughs> yes. so you know you gotta let go of these grudges a lot easier <laughs> um I kind of get a sense right now that it's more about like their healing journeys, their intrinsic journeys, um, more so than than anything else. Mm, so they are just sort of like each other's missing piece right now. Yeah, maybe. We saw Bess get used like a, a tool since the first season. So it's nice to get to really witness more of her everyday as a human existence instead of always like Andre's person. I appreciate the journey. I, I don't feel like I need her to make some big display of something in the grander picture of stuff. It feels like she's a supporting role, but showing us some really great ways of how they've handled this kind of trauma that people can probably relate to. I will say the the Bess and Audrey relationship does feel right, though, because I feel like they've gone through a lot over the course of the three seasons um, individually and then also together and like where they started, like um, Inez mentioned. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like that they have ended up together because I do feel like that feels right. But I feel like the individual journey of Audrey has been a little janky, in my opinion. Like, I don't know. <laughs> they've been kind of treated her like she was really, you know, especially from season one and then like the season two thing. And even, I don't know, it just feels like the shifts have not been seamless in a way. And I think that's why it feels a little off. Like, I think I don't mind where she has come, like the destination, but I feel like the way we have gotten there has been a little <laughs> rough. <laughs> yeah. You know, my husband thinks that Audrey's just still like playing an infiltration role. I personally don't think so at all. I feel like this is very genuine friendship. But what do you guys think? I mean, I'm reading it as genuine. Uh, I mean, yeah. if she is playing Bess, she might get killed if that ever came yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't think, and then, right. like, the stakes, too, if you think about, like, what is in it for Audrey to befriend Bess, I don't know. Like, she's not at the top tier, you know, like, she's a support for Layden, and I don't know how that could, how could that could go, and especially right. after what's happened with Wilford, I think... I hope it's not playing best because I would. I think that would just push best over the hill, yeah. you know, like with where she's at. So I do think it's genuine. Stephen will get credit if that's what comes to yeah, pass. Yeah. <laughs> 
well, let's just hope I'm right. <laughs> I told him, I was like, nobody's going to think that, Stephen. So. <laughs> I'll eat my words, though. We'll see in episode 10. <laughs> Speaking of episode 10, the events that happened in this one could have been just the end of the season, right? Because effectively, some new force has taken over the train, which has been basically how the other seasons have ended, right? There's been a, a, a power shift. Now we have one more episode to deal with the fallout of that. What is that going to look like? Is Melanie going to try to actually do more than just engineer the train away from the Horn of Africa? Is she actually going to try to run autocratically the <laughs> the entire train again as the head, you know, the boss of the whole thing or what do you guys think might happen here? Well, I really hope that we do get to swing by. I imagine that we're going to swing by New Eden and I am excited to see what that reveals. So as much as I'm like really angry at the fact that this whole season was based off of Leighton's stupid fucking vision, I am really, maybe I'm like partially like want to see it just so I can like continue to gloat at like a Wilford level over this. <laughs> it's like, I uh, remember that, remember, what was it? It was an opening shot of an episode of Lost where the camera goes under the water so that we could see the, the foot of the statue. Um, mm, yeah. so yeah. that the audience knows it's down there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I think this takeover ish, whatever's happening feels a little different than the previous seasons. I feel like Melanie really does think she's doing it out of necessity for the good of the train. So I think she's just not worrying about the consequences of the chaos that she has just started. I mean, she knows that that's going to cause civil unrest and that could also cause people to go to Wilford's side, but she did it anyway. So I feel like for in her mind, her actions are justified because I feel like she thinks going to New Eden and not seeing, you know, that, hey, we're going to get off the train is worse than whatever she has just caused. And I don't know, maybe does she maybe also think that Wilford was contained? Like, I also don't think she's that, you know, she has to be more intelligent than that to not think that there would also be like if she... She called out late and knew that people would be against that or like be outraged by the lie. But did she not think that there would be consequences and Wolford would not try to scheme his way to like getting people on his side? So I feel like was that just like a blind spot on her end mm. of, um, you know, maybe because, you know, she seemed a little surprised that like I don't think surprised at like what he would go to, but maybe also caught off guard because it was so abrupt that she took it over that I wonder if she also feels played by what just happened by Wilford. Mm, Cause yeah. while he was also being, you know, straightforward and I mean, the science did check. He also had this ulterior motive that maybe she didn't see coming. I don't know if she's going to regret it a little bit. And then I feel like, are we doing predictions yet? Cause yeah, yeah. This is the prediction okay. portion. Yeah. Yeah. So my prediction would be that she's going to be like, Oh, I fucked up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and she's going to have to get back with Layden and Alex and Ben, because now she has the Wilford problem that is going to, whatever she was going to go to. Cause she tells Javi like, Oh, you know where I'm going. It's going to be kind of derailed <laughs> pun intended. 
um, Bible study. So that's train nice. humor. Yes, yes. <laughs> I got one. Um, yeah, so I feel like that's my prediction of like, she did not anticipate that and she's going to have to team up with the people she just caused chaos to. I almost feel like she might not have really been surprised. I mean, before she even went to Wilford's room, she said, let's go check on the snake in the grass. That kind of line is usually reserved for like somebody that you know is always scheming up to something you can't trust them. And so maybe she's not totally surprised that he's like disappeared. And then also just like a quick observation. So Paul, I think earlier in the start of the podcast, you referenced that the guards were sick. It looked like to me that they were fucking like faces melted so i don't know how they're going to recover <laughs> from face melt <laughs> yeah they definitely had like bleeding out of the face holes eyes mouth everything i accepted that as like them being straight up dead i don't want to see like a melanie like I, I don't see her as the kind of person that would have done what she did carelessly. I feel like she has strong evidence that she's been able to put together really quickly and she's going to find a solution and she's going to work through that solution. But I don't necessarily feel like it would be like a, let me like wave my white flag and bring Leighton back on my side as a team. But again, that could just be my jadedness that I'm not, that I can't control anymore. <laughs> One of the main main points of the show has always been, who's the leader of the train? At any given time, that seems to be a central question of this show. Who is leading the train? Since she threw Leighton under the bus, now it doesn't really matter if New Eden exists for a lot of people because they won't be able to get over the lie. They'll be like Javi, right? They'll be like, I don't care. You lied to me. But then if they were ever like in a public forum debating this sort of thing, then he could say, but don't you remember the previous several years when she was lying about Mr. Wilford even being on the train? So then you have liars in, in positions of power. And, and also Mr. Wilford is, I don't know that, that he's been proven out to be a liar, but a lot of people aren't going to favor him just given his style of leadership. Some will be okay with it, some, some not. So I think maybe this might be that time for Ruth to step in because she's oh, yeah. she, she's pretty clean as as far On as both sides, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely a really great. I mean, that's what something that I we've all been curious about. What does the ruling under Ruth look like? Um, and then now she's got an even more impressive resume if she ever wanted to be like, hey, here's my bid for that. But, yeah. yeah. And she has the, the will, yeah, and then the will of the people, because it, it makes sense, like, she she wasn't, like, a big part of this episode, but I think the, thing, the few things we saw kind of allude to that, and also the Pike storyline, it all makes sense of, in all the movies about leadership and, you know, the ruling, it's always the one that doesn't want to be the leader that's the best leader, and Ruth does not want to be quote unquote, the leader, but she would be the best leader of all of them. Cause like Melanie is a good leader, but she's like an en engineer. So she makes decisions based only on science and not the people. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I feel like Ruth would listen to Melanie, but also know the will of the people and make a better decision based on that. So 
And Le- like Leighton is all heart, no head. Yeah, all heart and like no logic or anything like that. And now he has a kid. And, and so that's like also doing like, you know, has like different implications. And I also feel like now he's tainted goods because no one's going to believe him ever again. So like Probably he not. can't be the, yeah, so he can't be the leader of the train anymore, like just in the eyes of, you know, the people. So it can't be him anymore. Now it's, it has to be between Melanie, Wilford, and possibly now this third option of Ruth. So I'm I'm down for that. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, with her, you you could have people like Leighton around, but he would have a role, and it wouldn't be leading the train. <laughs> what be- role do you think would be a good one for Leighton? Because I have a really hard time seeing any kind of value anymore. Well, what's weird is that the stuff that he does, Josie does better. Everything that he's done, where they need to go do heroic shit. It's been Josie that does it with him and then does it better. Like, she's the one that jumped out on the chain in this one, right? She's the one that brought Asha back. Ben. She brought Ben back. Ben. She She brought Ben Ben. back. Yes. Yes. Much bigger. Yes. Right. There you go. Yeah. She brought Ben back. I was thinking that kind of role, like, um, what was Boki's job? He was a fireman or fire? No. Breachman. He was a breachman. You know, they don't have any breachmans because the Wilfordites killed them all. So they need breachmen. He can be a breachman. And <laughs> Melanie can <laughs> can do engineering. And yeah, I think with Ruth, you, you could put the right people in the right roles. And you don't need to have anybody not doing anything except Wilford. Wilford's a little too dangerous to be free range. He, he needs to stay in stay the, the library. library. Yeah, yeah, stay in the library. That's where his strengths are. And then I guess like just one curiosity prediction here. You know, we didn't see Roche and Oz a ton in this episode, but it does look like they're getting set up for something big in the next episode. So what do you think all of that is going to be Oz coming to Roche saying there's something go- really wrong with LJ? That's that's an interesting question, you know, because he's he's got his affection for LJ and he doesn't want her hurt, but she indicated that he is just like a game piece, a favorite game piece, but one that she's willing to trade if it gets her something that she wants. Whereas Roche used to be his boss when he was a brakeman. Oz, this whole time, has been struggling for people to see him, to notice him, to, to respect him. So that, that idea that he would turn to Roche in, in this moment and maybe need to betray his wife for what he thinks would be her own good, it's a big moment. Between LJ and Wilford, man, they just poor Oz's junk, just like constantly <laughs> getting tortured by these two. I'm just very curious. Maybe he's going to share like her whole entire infrastructure. Maybe he'll be key in like trying to hunt down like where's Wilford among the train. Yeah, good point. Good uh, point. Yeah, cause... and then yeah, Roche and Wilford. He wants to kill Wilford. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he has again <laughs> some checks in that column. <laughs> For sure. But if he could use Oz and his connection to LJ, and LJ, I think, is in like an information train back to Wilford, then yeah, that makes sense. I'm not sure what they could do in one episode, but they did a lot of so much action this episode. Next one, it seems like there's got to be all this like talking. How do you feel? How do you feel? (laughs) What are you going to do? Whose side are you on? (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely going to go fast. I feel like I feel like it's we're going to have another busy episode. Well, guys, thanks for joining me on this week's episode. Um, now that we're done, you can you can watch it if you want. Uh. Yes. <laughs> 
And um, thank you both for doing the Snowpiercer mash exercise with me. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Yeah, we need to read our results. Yeah, yeah. I'm pulling, I, I've got them up right now on my phone here. Okay. So let's see. So I got my spouse is Icy Bob. So I'm a widow. <laughs> and But I'm in first class, even though I'm working in compost. Whoa. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Maybe it's like a leadership role. I don't know. I, I've, I, I'm hoping that's what that is. <laughs> but my best friend is LJ. So, you know, I got connections in different places. And Precarious, though. <laughs> and the only option that I did end up really caring about was that my alliance is on Team Wilford. I'm never somebody that goes for the toxic bad guy, but my toxic good guy just like sucked all of the hope out of me. <laughs> so I felt like this one, I was, I accept my compost job. I, uh, let's see, my spouse wound up being Melanie. Woo! But somehow we're on Big Alice, where my, where my <laughs> job. There's a tub in Big Alice, so. Uh, right. There is one one tub. It's kind of dicey to use it, but <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you never know how that's going to go. I'm an engineer with Melanie. Strangely, my best friend is Josie, so that's always fun to have that's her like, over. That's great. Yeah, that's an amazing <laughs> best friend. Yeah, well, it's, it's always awkward at dinner. Um, <laughs> and I am also Team Wilford. Oh, look at this. All right. That's yeah. a pretty good, that's a pretty good turnout. What about you, Kat? Yeah, so my spouse is Ruth. Woo! Yay! Yay! Um, I'm in second class, so nice. I feel like that's, you know, fitting. I'm also an engineer. My best friend is Josie as well, and I'm Team Wolford. <laughs> so we run in the same circles. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think, yeah, we're friends. <laughs> well, and at least I, we, we have Team Wolford in common, I guess. <laughs> I take yeah. care of all your shit. You guys take care of my life, so. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, Kat, if people wanted to find you on the internet now that South By is in your rearview mirror, where would people be able to find you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Things Cat Loves. Things Cat Loves. And if the iTunes reviewer, Crazy19474, wanted to reach out to Inez because she appreciates the way that she thinks, uh, <laughs> how would they get in touch with you? Yeah, team neurodivergence over here. Yeah, you can find me hanging out in like almost all of the Facebook um, Snowpiercer fan related stuff. I, I love reading all of those posts and I'll engage in them as much as I can. And then occasionally I'm involved in Twitter at Neasy Thinks. Neasy Thinks. Your ADHD twin will seek you out and <laughs> Yay. You have rapid fire Come conversations about I everything. Because you won't be able to stay on track. <laughs> We'll just be high on that dopamine. That's all. We're going to be on some thought train, so no worries. Yeah. Well, as long as it's train related, then it's on topic. So <laughs> <laughs> please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, like crazy and those numbers. Uh, <laughs> I closed it, so I'm not looking at it now. Uh, crazy did this past week. Let us know how we're doing or give us our the highest rating you can so that other people find the podcast easily. Um, and I forgot the rest of the speech. So thanks a lot, guys. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. 
please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.